Hey folks, Celica here, creator and host of The Color Girl Beautiful. If you're tuning in for the first time, thanks for coming through. We're currently between seasons and we'll be back with brand new content later this fall. But not to worry, there's plenty of content for you to check out in the meantime. Obviously, the episode you're about to listen to right now is amazing, and we believe the entire back catalog is worth your time. But if you're looking for a place to start, I recommend episode one, which is an introduction to the show's genesis, or episode four, which just happens to be one of my favorites. After that, the sky's the limit. I hope you stick around, and I'm super excited for you to hear season two. Anywho, happy listening, and see you around. Blackness isn't just about race. I'm Deneen Milner, and I'm a New York Times bestselling author. On my podcast, Speakeasy with Deneen, I dive into the beauty and humanity of blackness with people like writer Tayari Jones, journalist Demetria Lucas, and rapper Killer Mike. Listen to Speakeasy with Deneen from Georgia Public Broadcasting. Subscribe for free at gpb.org slash podcasts or on your favorite podcast app. So this week, Zelia, I want to talk to you about my conversation with Tina. It's funny. I am I'm really very introverted and very shy, although it does not come across that way to people. But essentially, I'm very shy and quiet and loving and giving. Now, I don't know Tina to be shy, but I do know her to be loving and giving. I also know Tina to be someone who has a very solid sense of self. So per the usual, I wanted to talk that through with my producer, Nicole, starting, of course, from the beginning. Hey there, Asalika here, and this is The Colored Girl Beautiful, a heartfelt letter from one generation of Black women learning to stand firm in who she is to another. When you two met kind of quickly and then you clicked right away. Yeah. So when I met Tina, we were both at a women's conference at the university where I work. It was a conference specifically for Black women's and Black girls' health and wellness. Uh, And we were Mm -hmm. on the same panel. Now, first of all, I didn't have any business being on this panel. (laughs) There was a, a woman, a Black woman on campus who... I, I feel like wanted to give me a chance and like believed in me and I'm so grateful. But like compared to the other people on this, on this panel, like, yo, I should not have been there. <laughs> but Tina was one of those people and she had this like mindfulness um, presentation that was really wonderful. We start chatting a little bit and I told her that like I was nervous and I'd never done a presentation like this before, but she like helps me just sort of calm down and, she was like, oh, no, you're going to be fine. Yeah, like, you're you're great. Like, it was it was just, like, lovely to have someone there sort of on my side when I was just freaking out about this new thing that I was doing. So I found her to be just, like, a pleasant, wonderful person. And I, so I, I, I reached out to her to see if I could talk with her more. <laughs> Amazing. I am, besides being an author, a new author, a writer, a photographer, an artist, I'm an 
integrative healthcare professional. So I teach mindfulness. I teach Reiki. Uh, so using my spiritual, mindful, meditative prayer time is what helps me stay in focus. I, I don't miss my morning session. It could be five minutes. It could be 30 minutes. It could be an hour, depending upon how much time I have and what I need that day. But I don't miss that time with myself. Since meeting her that day at the conference, Tina has continued to be a wonderful encouragement and also a lovely example of someone who is just comfortable in her own skin. She brings her whole authentic self, whatever that happens to look like that day. I've been a person my entire life, mostly. I dress for me. I dress for my girlfriends more than I dress for the men in my life. Uh, when I meet my girlfriends, I'm always good. <laughs> you know, it's just that Yeah, I think that sometimes we get caught up in like we're trying to impress someone we're dating, whether that's a man or a woman. But I, I date men. I have always, you know, I've dressed. But when I'm getting with other my girlfriends, I'm always in, looking good. <laughs> <laughs> but I like to look good. I'm not going to lie. I am the jewelry queen. So uh, everything that I wear orbits around what jewelry I have. Like most people get dressed with an outfit and put their jewelry on. Jewelry's first for me. But I, but I also want to say, you know, aside from the exterior, um, there's an interior part that I had to find in that spiritual part of myself um, that expresses itself in how I interact with other people, wanting to be around other people, to help other people, so I think the other thing would be the heart that I was given, that it's just really open and willing and hears. And I think that we have to look at the beauty, not just the exterior, but the interior. But the exterior, you know, that's what people see. So uh, so Tina is 62 now, and um, she ha- just seems to have grown into herself. And I... I'm so jealous. Like, <laughs> you know, like I, I feel like there are some things that I'm like really good at and like I'm getting close to, to being like comfortable, comfortable, but she's comfortable in a way that I don't know, maybe only comes with time or something. Mm. But I, I've really like, I appreciated this conversation. I've, I talked to her, like I call her every now and again and we just chat on the phone for a couple hours about everything and nothing. A lot of times it's about boys. Um, (laughs) um, but it, I just, I so appreciate her perspective. Yeah. Um, It's, it's been really helpful for me just knowing her these last couple of years. (laughs) I think that one of the things I appreciate about Tina is that she doesn't let other people's perceptions of her change the way that she perceives herself. She strives towards excellence and doesn't apologize for it. And Azalea, you had some encouraging words for us about having that kind of a drive and ambition. Azalea quotes somebody else this week. Yeah. This is not her. Okay. This is one of my, probably one of my favorite chapters because it's so encouraging and it's so, um, like she really just, be- you can see in the in the text here that she really believes in Black women and um, wants the best for us and wants us to reach our potential and you know, it's it's really lovely. But um, so there's this one particular quote um, about work. Azalea has this quote 
um, from a man named John Ruskin, who, in all honesty, I've not been able to find a lot of information about, but she feels like his concept of work is something that should be um, what she refers to as a universal creed. Um, But it says, the man or woman who does work worth doing is the man or woman who lives and breathes his work, with whom it is ever present in his or her soul, whose ambition is to do it well and feels rewarded by the thought of having done it well. Do you identify with the kind of like drive and the urgency that's described in that quote? Yeah, because I think there's something really wonderful about doing something that you that drives you doing something that um, is important to you, you know, to for me, for example, like this podcast, I want to do this, you know, like this means a lot to me and I put a lot of myself into it. And I, I think that's a, a lot of what makes it meaningful. But this, this drive that she sort of talks about here, um, the, the ambition um, that's mentioned in this quote. But I just think in practice, what I have found, what I've seen is that it, it kind of backfires. Like a black woman who is that ambitious is is just kind of perceived as a lot. Did, um, in your conversations with Tina, did you all touch on that at all? Or did she have any similar experiences of like this drive being perceived negatively by others? Yeah, so for her, it was at, it was at work. Well, I've been, you know, in most of my... In my corporate jobs, with one exception, I've always been a manager, a supervisor, or a director. So I've always had a staff. The word, oh, you're so intimidating. And I will, I take used to take such exception to that after a while. From the beginning, I was like, oh, maybe. And I'm like, you're not intimidating. I have a high standard of work and a high standard of expectation if you work for me. Because whoever I'm working for has an expectation of me. I'm not dropping the ball. And therefore, you're not dropping the ball because we're not making, I'm not looking going to look bad. And so, and whatever you need so that you can make yourself look good, we all look good, then you need to let me know what that is. And I will make sure that that happens. One of the things I'm probably very proud of is being a boss or a director, or manager, whatever, is that self-development and development of the people that work for me was always uppermost. You need to leave me better than when, I came, when you came to me. And for people on my team to be intimidated by that, oh, it's just so intimidating. And, uh, and it's just like, you know, and then finally one day I just said, okay, I'm not listening to that, not one more minute. If you can't get yourself together, I'm I'm giving you the opportunity to better yourself, to learn more, to do more, and not demanding because it's not a requirement on your uh, when I do your review. It's just I'm offering you opportunity. I'm not evaluating you on this, but if you're intimidated because I ex- say, why don't you go take that class? That's your problem, not mine. And what I finally got to, and what I think a lot of us need to get to is people's behavior all the time does not have anything to do with you. It's about them. It's about them and their insecurities, and they're not being able to feel. So 
So how do you feel after hearing Tina's kind of journey with being perceived as intimidating and mm-hmm. getting comfortable with mm-hmm. herself? How does that make you feel about your level of drive and the way that it's perceived by others? I I've definitely um, had that like intimidating. I've I've heard that word bandied about. <laughs> bandied about. <laughs> that is the when. What's the what's the setting in which yeah, you heard so, this word? So for Tina, it was it was at work, but for me, it's just been like personally. Um, I've you know in in some of my like relationships with people. Um, friendships and things like that, people have uh, perceived me as intimidating because I am someone who, like, I know what I want. Um, and and I think even, maybe even more than that, is that I am someone who kind of wants to talk things out. I want to, like, have a very open discussion about what is happening. I don't like the you know, I don't like being passive aggressive. I don't like, you know, tiptoeing around things like, no, I want to have a conversation about it. And, you know, like, I think people like perceive that as me being like very direct and maybe sometimes harsh or, you know, intimidating. And that's what I'm just like, (sighs) it's just so frustrating because again, my only goal is a solution. And it's just not always perceived that way. Like I, I, I am perceived sometimes as being bossy or trying to manage things too much. And I, that's never my intent. Um, and I, I try to like reflect to and, and think like, am, am I being unreasonable? Like what are people just perceiving me this way? And there's nothing I can do about it. Um, so I don't, I don't mean to like deflect and say it's always someone else but I I've done a lot of soul searching and a lot of therapy and (laughs) you know to try to reconcile because it's for me it's 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 sometimes gotten to the point where I um I just feel so bad about it because again that's never what I want I don't want anyone to feel intimidated ever by me but that's also not something that I um oh that's a good question (laughs) some people want that you know Mm -hmm. it's better to be feared than loved no I just I just don't believe that I just don't believe in it I you know like I feel like um we're all better off if we feel safe and cared for you know and so I want to provide that sort of an, an environment that and I think maybe this is where things sort of break down is that for me that does not mean that we don't have hard conversations. That doesn't mean that you get a pass on everything. That doesn't mean that, you know, um I I'm not ever upset or disappointed. But it does mean as I, I feel like as someone who cares about people, it is my responsibility to have the discussion with you about what it is that I'm thinking, feeling, concerned about in a, you know, reasonable, <laughs> respectful, respectful way um, so that we can get from where we are to where we want to be. Mm. And, and I think for a lot of people, um, being kind and caring means we skip over that really hard conversation. And I don't believe that that's okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't, I don't ever 
want to be someone who just sort of brushes past. Also, because what happens over time is that when we don't like really talk about and hash things out, um, we become resentful. And that over time, like erodes the quality of the relationship. And I don't ever want that. And so I'm always, you know, trying to find a way to balance like, like, okay, we're going to talk about this really hard thing. Um, and, and I, I will, I will press for that. Um, and so I think that's where things sort of get, I don't know, wires cross. And that's where the, the, um, you being intimidating perception comes yeah. from. Yeah. My father told me once, you know, you want to be, if you want to be at the top, it's all, it can be very lonely there. And so for me, because I wanted to do be better, it was lonely. And also because I'm very, I'm just a different person, period. You know, I have a little thing in my phone that says it's a picture of all these little white lambs and one little black one. It says it's good to be different. And I see, I look at that every morning because it took me a while to be okay with just being different, not being like everybody. And I knew that a long time. Non, I'm a nonconformist. I do not go along with the crowd. I'm not a follower, although I know when to follow. Uh, but it is hard. It is hard. And that's like a journey to to getting to acceptance because the people may not change, but then how you move around in the world and feel about yourself, that's the thing that needs to grow and evolve. Yeah, absolutely. Because I cannot change those people. I don't have any control over what they perceive of me, their thoughts. I can't do anything about that. The only thing that can change is me. Right. Yeah. So what do you do to, how do you balance that out in the end though? Knowing that people are going to perceive this, desire Mm -hmm. to maintain a healthy relationship by talking and being open. They're going to perceive it as uh, intimidating, but it is something that is fundamentally important to you that you cannot just let go of. Yeah. I mean, that's just, I've, I've come to the realization that that's who I am as a person. Um, What I, I, I feel like I have been able to adjust to some degree is like if, if, um, like that's something that's important to me. That's a non-negotiable. Like if we're going to be in relationship in any authentic way, I need to know that we can have this conversation. Um, when and how we have that conversation, I feel like that's something that I can adjust. Not everyone is ready at like any time. Like I'll, I'm, I want to sit down and hash it out today, right now. You know, like <laughs> I'm always ready. I'm always ready. I stay ready. <laughs> um, but that's not how everybody processes things. Not everybody's on the same page as I am. So it's fine for me to like hang back sometimes or, or you know, like sometimes people need some time. Sometimes people need space. And I can I can I can give in that way. You know, like you might not be ready to have this conversation and I have to be respectful of that. Um, that might mean that there's some space between us for a while. That's also okay. Um, but I also, I am someone who believes in redemption and reconciliation. And I don't, um, I, I really try not to like cut people off or, you know, um, I want to give everyone the opportunity um, to have a, like a healthy, meaningful relationship. It's not always possible, you know, um, 
but I, I, I want to be someone who is open at the very least. And I'm learning to be more patient in terms of what that looks like and in terms of, again, when and how those conversations happen. Actually, I don't know if this is true or not, but did you do you think you learned any of that from Tina? Does it have anything to do with your conversations with her? I don't think I, I learned it from Tina. I think I've seen Tina execute. And that's been exceptional. Like every time I get on the phone with her, I'm like, oh, you know, it's it's never that she tells me anything that I don't know, but it's always like, oh man, I forgot. Like I, that's something that, <laughs> you know, I need to have top of mind. And and a lot of it for me is is being okay with this is who I am. You know, I am that person who's always going to want to have the conversation. That is who I am. And that's fine. That's not something I have to change. I just haven't settled into like, this is me and that's fine. I'm, I'm working on it and I'm definitely getting closer. Every single day I'm growing and learning and I'm so grateful. I'm grateful to have women like Tina in my life who um, can show me what that looks like. Because uh, she's always just got this level of calm. Um, and, and is always just able to admit when she's been upset or she's been hurt. Um, but I, I appreciate seeing that example. What makes me me? My ability to be open, to care for people, to care about this world, what happens in this world, what's happening in this life, to not allow what's happening to make me shut down and become hard and distant, the resilience to love no matter how many times I've been disappointed. Um, I still think there's a guy out there who's mine for me, uh, just not giving up. My eclectic sense of going through life and being open to see, even in, even when you talk about things, with even with people, I was always the girl who befriended those who didn't have a friend, um, wanted to bring home the people that didn't have a friend. And just, you know, my style and, and how I see things and go through. What makes me uniquely me is that I'm happy to be who I am. I don't want to be anybody else. I had this vision of myself when I was going to, I'm 33 now. So I had this vision of myself in my thirties where I'm just fully Mm self-actualized. Nothing's a problem. I know exactly who I am and what I want. And it has not exactly (laughs) turned out that way. I wouldn't have expected that. It's unbelievable. (laughs) You're never going to guess this, but it didn't exactly work that way. (laughs) Do you feel like, did I don't know, can you relate all? Did you have a similar vision of your I, 30s? Or were you just going to have it all I, together? I didn't have like a similar vision of my 30s specifically, but I, I did, you know, like feel like at some point, I think I'm, I've just still been waiting like, all right, when is it? Is this the, is this the moment? Is this it? Am I there yet? <laughs> right. Is, am I still back to Is it happening? Am I doing it right now? <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I, so I didn't have like a specific time in mind that I thought that that would happen, but I, I'm still just kind of like, you know, hoping for that moment. And I, but I think overall, you know, it's not, a thing. if, if, if 
you know, you can imagine. <laughs> it's not a thing that happens at a time. <laughs> what? No. <laughs> It can be scheduled. I know. Shocker. (laughs) It's not a thing that happens at a time, but I'm like, I'm getting more and more comfortable every day, you know, um, with, with who I am and surrounding myself with people who can, um, remind me of all of the important things of life. Remind me of what I want for myself. Remind me that it's okay to be who I am, where I am right now today. Um, and that I'm worthy of care and concern and love, yeah, as I Ooh. am today. Um, I I heard someone say, I wish I knew who it was, but I don't. Um, but I heard someone say uh, that it's okay to be both a masterpiece and a work in progress. Ooh, yeah. Yes. At the same time, I know, which is like ultra corny also it's 100 percent true and i love it oh i love that <laughs> yeah yeah and so i'm i'm learning every day you know through the people that i i surround myself with the things that i choose to do with my time um you know through my own through therapy through my own uh self-care and processing that i i can i don't have to be perfect right now and um also, I am wonderful <laughs> and and still and still getting there. I don't have to wait to be okay with who I am until I've reached a certain thing, until I've self-actualized or right. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> you know, I can I can be happy with myself like wholly and fully today, right now, and also realize that there's still work that I need to do. Yeah. Azalea, I really appreciated your encouraging words in all of Chapter 8 of The Colored Girl Beautiful. I think we can all use that sort of encouragement to be proud of the work that we do and to do work worth doing. And thank you for listening as I work through some of my thoughts about your writing. Today's episode is the last episode of the season, but we'll be back later this year with Season 2. I'm really looking forward to more of our conversations. For the last time, for a little while, sincerely, Aselica. The Color Girl Beautiful was created and is hosted by me, Aselica Smith. This episode was produced by Aselica Smith with editing help from Nicole Hill. Music is from Blue Dot Sessions and Epidemic Sounds. Azalea is your favorite book, always there for you to return to again and again when you need something to read that you know will make you smile. This is it, guys. At least for now. We'll be back later this year with season two, but we're not going to leave you hanging. Be sure to stay tuned to our feed for bonus episodes between now and the start of season two. For everything you ever wanted to know about the show and the original book that inspired the show, you can visit coloredgirlbeautiful.com. There you can subscribe to our newsletter, follow us on social media, or purchase your very own Colored Girl Beautiful t-shirt. If you like what you hear, send it to a friend. We want everybody to know about the show and we need your help. So go ahead, use that little share button in your podcatcher. And if you have a second, give the show a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and Podchaser. Links for both in the show notes. The Colored Girl Beautiful is produced with support from PRX and the Google Podcast Creators Program. Thank you so very much for listening and we'll see you around.
still couldn't find that song. Oh, the Kirk Franklin song. No. It wasn't melodies from heaven. <laughs> down down on me. Me. Why was that everybody? Uh, that was just like beyond popular. Like to, if so to for that good. to start up a round of that to start up in service was like what? <laughs> then, and like the most exciting thing to me was the knowledge that we were going to at some point get to rain down on me, rain fall on me, and then it's going to be like do 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 rain down. <laughs> we have the key change. <laughs> yes, the key change is just like, and then at the end it's like, Ray, and the, everything basically Ray. that you would want in a gospel song <laughs> is going to be there. And then we're going to cut the music, and we're going to clap yes. for a while. Uh, and we're going to we're coming out. back. Oh, we're coming back. Oh, we're coming back. Yeah. We're coming. Oh. <laughs> so good. Oh, so oh my god. Concert in one song. Oh man, it was amazing! Like the hypest gospel concert yes. in one song. Oh, <laughs> so good! Oh, I love that song. I was like, you know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.